Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three. Yeah! Hello and welcome to a very special edition of It's All Cobblers to Me. Now last night, myself and Neil presented the Fans Forum uh, Q&A session with our manager Keith Curl and James Whiting, our Chief Executive Officer, was there as well to answer any questions that fell outside of Keith's remit. The next hour and a half is the full audio from everything that happened at the Fans Forum last night, so from the first question to the last answer. There is a highlights package that we have done, which is around about 20 minutes, so if you'd rather listen to the shortened version, then go ahead and and have a listen to that. We've had a great time this week, and obviously this is the last episode in our build-up to the new football season. So tomorrow we have got Walsall at home. We're really hoping that all the fans will come out. Walsall have already sold out their allocation, so let's get down and do our part and hopefully cheer the cobblers on to victory. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, The first person you're going to hear is me introducing the crowd to Keith Curl and a very special guest. This is the first fans forum that's been held for a little while. Um, This is certainly the first one that Keith has been involved in. So thank you very much to Keith for turning up. Um, But we must welcome, of course, Keith's hat, which is probably the guest of honour, I'd say. Uh, so basically all that's going to happen is we're here till about nine o'clock um, unless you guys run out of questions so I hope you've come armed to the teeth with questions about you know which goalkeepers are going to play and all of that sort of stuff um, but to start off uh, Neil's got a very important question that he'd like to ask I do I do Keith uh, so we interviewed Nicky Adams the other day uh, and he did mention that his mum finds you a bit of a dish so uh, <laughs> We were just wondering if that's why he was made club captain. I've not, uh, I've not had that conversation with Nicky yet. Uh, and I, I, I can honestly say that part of the, the, uh, the negotiations to bring Nicky here had nothing to do with his mum. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Anyone else got any other questions for Keith? Don't Does be shy. Anybody want to kick off? No. In that case, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll ask the, the very obvious question. <laughs> uh, we'll ask the very obvious question then first. So, uh, how's pre-season gone then, Keith? Uh, I've got to say, excellent. The as you can imagine, bringing in the, the amount of players that we have done and the turnover within the changing room, 
um, bringing in different personalities, different characters. Some of the players that went out had been at the football club uh, a good number of years. Have been very good servants to the uh, to the football club and to the badge and to the supporters. Uh, so it was important the the new players came in uh, and understood the the DNA and the philosophy of what we what I want to try and bring to the football club and their responsibility and their accountability for for when they came in. And I've got to say, every single player that we've brought into the football club has bought into the uh, the ideology of uh, the training regime because because I am slightly different to what uh, other managers or other regimes have been uh, have been used to and I've got to say the attention uh, to detail with the players excellent uh, when it's time to work uh, I've got to say they've worked extremely well uh, when it's time to rest they've rested correctly and rested at the right time as well so the atmosphere and the environment uh, at this stage um, as you'd expect because we haven't played a competitive game yet is very good um, they know they're uh, they've got some good talented players in there they've got players in there that have got the promotions they've been around promotion teams and have been in successful teams and they know what's required individually and collectively throughout the course of a season um, there's some good dynamics in there there's some good characters in there that are prepared to say what needs to be said um, not only to me but to other players uh, when they've got concerns concerns and questions they're not shy and they're not scared to, to ask them if somebody if they see somebody not doing what needs to be done the players uh, are marshalling themselves and I think that's very important yep jackets at the moment in Huddersfield um, central defenders. Um, we've lost Ash Taylor. Goodbye, Ash. Bye, Ash. And we've got some very good central defenders. But I think um, there's maybe a bit of anxiety about cover because suppose one or two of the existing ones get injured, particularly for a, a period of time. Yep. Um, luckily, I do know quite a bit about central defence because uh, I, <laughs> I, I did spend a bit of time there during my career as well. So th no, the uh, I think c cover wise we're not bad, uh, and I think there's a few players that can still play and cover. It's difficult if you just say, well, if he's out, what would you do? So uh, I've I have got a plan B. Uh, might be a change in formation, might be a change in personnel, might be a, not so much putting a, uh, a square peg in a round hole, but to, uh, in my opinion, I've still got enough cover to be very, very competitive uh, at the minute. There still may be changes uh, depending on ins and outs, uh, depending on who those ins and outs are. But the, and again, I think the other thing is there's still a pathway. Uh, for some of the younger players to come through. Jay Williams, I think, uh, I don't know exactly how many games, Gareth will be able to tell me exactly how many games uh, Jay Williams took part in last season. 14, uh, again, so it, 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 so a young player that's come through. Um, uh, so we've got Ryan Hughes as well, another academy product. So again, we've got younger players, we've, got some, we've still got experienced players uh, in there as well. Just going to sort the blinds out. I thought you were Trump then. Would one of those formations just go with all-out strikers? We've got enough of those. Can we forget the, forget the defence. Uh, to win a game, you need to score goals. Uh, we, can't, we, we can't rely on the opposition to score goals for us, can we? Uh, no, I'd um, been a defender. People would say, "Well, uh, I set my teams up to be defensive. I, I like attacking. I like winning games." Um, sometimes I know there is a, is a little bit of anxiety behind me in the crowd when we get a corner, and uh, we leave one back. And sometimes the opposition leave one up, 
two up, three up. Uh, my mentality won't change. We've got the ball. We've got we've got six, seven people going into the box, and I want to score. Uh, defensively wise, we will get back and we will cover the ground if need be. May I just ask something, please? Regarding, I heard you on the radio uh, regarding Joe Bunny. Now I know Joe very well, and um, I know he when he came here, he was treated very roughly, and he wanted to leave and go back north, which he did, as you know. Uh, but he'd come this year, and he, he, he's absolutely brilliant. Every uh, pre-season, he's had an excellent game. There again, you talked about centre-half. He, is, he can play left-back. He can even play centre-half, which he has done in pre-season. And you're saying you, you still want defenders when you've got somebody you, you're trying to get rid of. So where does it leave him? Because you, you, it says in the paper that you put him on the transfer list. I don't think I said that I wanted more defenders. I said I think I've got cover if needed, and I still got some of the emerging players coming through. And Joe Bunny is one of those players that, uh, again, like you said, he can play centre back uh, in a two, can play centre back in a three, can play wing back, can play left back. He has got versatility. And again, I still know uh, after having the conversations that I had with Joe uh, that if an ideal opportunity came for him up north, he would prefer to play his football up north fully understand that but I've got to say a credit to him, uh, to Joe himself since he's been here and since he came back under the new regime or the regime with myself and the staff uh, he's been very good Do we still have a question? Yeah. Um, we, we seem to have a very good squad put together I think that every season I do um, Even last year? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, get out <laughs> But most of the strikers, apart from Williams, are, are largely unproven. You know, they haven't got an awful lot of league goals between them. And yet, Marias, that is only gets a goal every just over 100 minutes. And I like him, a lot of fans like him, and obviously you don't. I just wondered what it is that... that <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Come on. <laughs> and is there any chance for him? Um, well, I think first of all, it's uh, do I not like Junior Marais? Because I think you said, I d yeah, well, as, as a player, I think it's, uh, there's nothing personal between myself and Junior. No. Uh, I, I'm very well with Junior uh, as, an, as an individual, as a character, as a player, uh, as a person. Um, but the realisation is the, 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 the honesty that I had, in the, the honest conversation I had with Junior, in my opinion, he will need to play, he will get more game time away from this football club. Uh, under another manager or a different manager playing in a different team than he will do getting here. Now, Junior has needs to play and wants to play. He's had a stuttered start in his career since I've come here. I think when he, when I first came, he was injured for a long period of time. Came on, for uh, showed a little bit of over-exuberance um, <laughs> and, and, and got sent off, which meant he missed a, another period of time out. And then, then he was just getting back into the swing of things. Then he had, uh, at the crew game, he had appendicitis that knocked, knocked him back again. He hasn't been able to get a good run. When he's, when he's come on, he's done everything that's been required of him uh, as a player. Scored goals, ran around, been creative. It's just I know it in the, how I want to play. Junior at the minute will be an impact player. Uh, and he, knowing Junior, he wants to play week in, week out.
Uh, and I fully understand that, and, uh, and that's what I've said to Junior. If you're able to get the opportunity to go and get game time week in, week in, week out elsewhere, I won't stand in your way. I'll make the recommendation to the football club if we can get the finances sorted out, the football club won't stand in your way. And Junior's uh, taken that on board, so he's been trying to to find a club that will give him the game time, but he fully understands if that doesn't happen, if a move doesn't happen that doesn't suit him, doesn't suit me, doesn't suit the football club, Junior is here. And if he's here and he's performing, he will get his opportunity. I've got a follow-up question to that, Keith, actually. Um, is it that you, you think you can get better for the money? I think it's always difficult to say better for the money. I think that because then that potentially that can devalue uh, the wages that Junior earns. I think, and I think all the transfers that we've been doing that we've done this season, I do believe that we've uh, potentially got value for money, good value for money. Um, and again, I don't think it's right to go into. And I know. Uh, fans forms. I don't think talking about players' wages uh, is the is, should be a primary fact. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please. Could, could you explain the process of bringing Matty Warburton to the club? Was he tracked in the Conference North last year, and if so, for how long? And when did you sort of first approach him? Uh, I know a lot about Matty. Uh, I've seen him. Probably four times myself uh, over a five month period. He, we were told about his available potential availability um, last season. Uh, Simon, the head of recruitment, has been to watch him six times. Uh, I've watched him five times. Uh, Colin West has watched him twice. Uh, and again, he's unproven at league level. Um, and again, we spent a little bit of time speaking to his agent. Uh, had three meetings with him in the summer. The, uh, the hunger, the desire, the passion that the lad has got to be a professional footballer is commendable. Uh, it, and the lad's got ability and the lad will score goals. And I still say players that can score goals will score goals at any level. Uh, he's a natural goal scorer uh, in and around the box, does his work, in a, uh, plays well off of a target man, but he can be he can be the link and the uh, and the step to get us into the final third as well. But, uh, again, he's a player that we know a lot about uh, and I'm fortunate that I see him on a daily basis in work. The hunger <laughs> that he shows to, uh, to succeed is commendable. Anyone with any other questions? I believe um, there's a lot of talk. I think the main talk of the Cobblers at the moment is about the goalkeeping situation with allegedly Reading coming in with, with an offer. Uh, can you put any light on that at all? Um, yeah, I saw it on Twitter as well. <laughs> no, that was it. Um, some, uh, somebody from the football club sent me through, I think it was Gareth, sent me through a tweet last night that somebody had tweeted uh, about the interest uh, potentially being shown by Red in, in, in Dai. Um, that was it. No one's contacted myself. Uh, I don't think anybody's contacted James because James is, uh, would have told me. Text or uh, <laughs> modern day uh, technology. Yes, mate. About the um, checker trade, like some managers favour it, some don't. Are you likely to field a stronger team this year, or are you looking to field like a younger side? Uh, Give them more sponsorship. They're not involved anymore, are they? Are they not? No. It's just the EFL trophy now. Uh, I think again. I think last season, um, I wouldn't say I played a weakened team. Uh, every every uh, 
competition that we go into where we play a competitive game and a, comple a competitive team. I think we did uh, reasonably well last season. Yeah, we did make changes. Uh, this season will be exactly the same. We will be slight rotations, but I don't think we will play a weakened team. Um, and again, I think it's commendable how well the younger players did do when they were given their opportunity. I think, uh, I don't know exactly what the number was, but Gareth will be able to tell me. How many uh, contributions did we have from the younger players, from the academy players last season? nearly 60 appearances for, for, from uh, academy graduates it shows we've got one eye on the youth and it shows there is a direct pathway from youth development into the first team Was there much that you had to change with that? I know Dean Austin before you kind of came in and he said a lot about wanting the youth that's where he'd kind of come from he'd been like an under 23s manager I think at South End before um was there an awful lot of change that you had to make there or were you quite happy with what was already in place in terms of that progression? Yeah, I think there's, there are certain things uh, within the uh, the overall picture that we've tried to change in, some, uh, some, a lot of it to do with the facilities. I think getting to know John, John Brady... Um, Colin West, my assistant, actually played with John Brady, so we had a good, good, good understanding, a good relationship. Uh, and, then, and then it's about myself and Colin watching them training, watching them playing in games, uh, and getting the pathway identified for the players. Some players will naturally not be able at their particular time make that step up. I think we had it at, uh, when I was at Carlisle, it, and again, this is where the clubs sometimes can differ because the, the club wanted to offer five. Uh, development program uh, or development contracts to players. Now, unfortunately, in my opinion, and it, is, it was just an opinion, that the players that they were going to offer the contracts to weren't good enough, or weren't going to be good enough at the, for the next year, 18 months. So uh, they made a recommendation. I said, no, uh, they signed the players. I left. So, the, so now this year, the club have said, uh, we've got seven that are good enough. I've said yes. And so we've stayed. So I've stayed. <laughs> so, uh, I'm learning, aren't I? <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. One sec. I'll come back to you, Phil. Um, yeah, I was very relieved uh, when the previous uh, head of recruitment left because the amount of dross we have had on that pitch the past three years has been a scandal, in my opinion. There have been awful players, so. Um, I said he hopes Simon Tracy, and he appears to be uh, doing a great job in conjunction with you and James, but there's been some terrible players on that pitch, and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure most of us will all agree. Care to comment, Keith? Great time to hand the mic to James. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, um, you know, I think we all, we all accept uh, the pr previous two years we've, we've not been good enough on the pitch, and I think it was. Um, blank canvas for Keith. You know, he had to he had to work with the players we had at the football club last year. Um, we saw some changes in January, and you know, we, there's a lot of players left the football club that are out of contract this summer. I think one thing the board have always done, in fairness, is is heavily back the managers, um, and and possibly too well. You would argue over over you know some of what's happened, but you know, I think it's important to look forward where we are now. Um, as, as Keith said there, I think, you know, in terms of the work that goes in to uh, the players we've got, you know, Keith keeps, you know, insistently 
meets players, um, you know, sits down with them and, and does that. And we're, we're watching players and getting two, three opinions from the coaching staff and scouting sc staff at the club before um, before we, we try and attract players to the football club. So there is a, you know, a fairly robust system in place. Um, reality is no one's going to get them all right. You know, that, that, that's the nature of it. But, you know, I think we all sit here today um, with the opinion that we're in a much stronger place than we were last season. Uh, Phil, I think you had a question, didn't you? Yes, it was, it was leading on the question about the um, academy players. We've got a very large squad now. Do you see some of those academy players going on to be loaned out to non-league clubs? Or yeah, I think some of the... Yeah, some of the you like working with a bigger group? No, um, and I th again, I think it's the important part of the part of the players' development is game time, uh, and yeah, we have we've got so we, even with the seven players, if you, if you count Sean Whaley, there's eight players now that are uh, that make up the the body of the development group. Now they're all on different stages within that. Some of them are closer to the first team. Um, Consistently, they all train with the first team uh, and have trained in, in pre-season. But then, as soon as the game, as soon as the games start, the, we're going to know some players are not going to be able to get consistent game time. And some of those players that may be further away from the first team may sometimes maybe due because of uh, uh, options we have within the first team squad. Some of those players w will need to go out to maintain a level of fitness and also development. Marvin Sordell came on board last season on loan, uh, and obviously when he came, it was there was a big thing about his mental health within um, the footballing community. Um, and obviously, he's now retired from football uh, and said very openly that that's due to um, a lot of the negativity that he received, and he just can't cope with the footballing scene. We have a lot of youngsters. Um, if you look on social media. A lot of the fans are not positive. Um, I'm one that constantly posts some positivity and tries to and stirs the boat. Have you been reading the um, hotel end? But is this is there? Because if you have, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone slates Sammy Hoskins tonight, I'll have you. That was my next question. Actually. <laughs> um, is there something in place? for, well, not just the youngsters, but for the whole squad that can help them with mental health, where they can go to if they see things on Twitter, they see things on Facebook, they hear the, the jeers and the jibes from the crowd. Um, I say particularly the youngsters, 18, 19 years old, they're very, can be very influenced by outside, um, and we want to protect them. There's some fantastic footballing youngsters coming through. Um, does the club have something in place that helps to protect their mental health? Yeah, I think, you know, social media is a massive thing. It's, it's you know, a huge thing in society now. You know, Gareth's very good at, you know, players that come in, especially the young players. Um, you know, suddenly they're thrust into the limelight when they get out there in the first team. Um, so Gareth's very good at working with them on that. We have social media policies, but we can't stop them watch, looking at social media and, you know, it's... Uh, it's going to have an impact on them, but I think we're w there are things coming in place now. Obviously, Mind have come on as the um, official league charity partner, and they're looking to do get out to clubs, talk to people. There's support in place with the PFA, and I think we're quite good in the staff we've got at the football club and um, the welfare, how we look out for our players, and they're clear. Um, you know, Keith had a pre-season meeting with all the players, 
and they're clear on what they need to do if they have any issues within the football club. We have people that can help or at least point them towards help. But we're actually now starting to work more so with the younger ones. So with our scholars, 16 to 18 year olds. Um, and it's actually a meeting we, we've got coming up later this month with the university in trying to tap into some of the expertise at the university where they can come in and deliver um, deliver workshops to, to that, that younger age group really and try to try to prepare them and we do a lot with them in terms of you know the education the scholars as well and as part of that they do life skills um, and we try and you know we try and take a holistic uh, approach really you know where the end of the day these these boys are all trying to become footballers but they're going to go through a lot in that development at what is a difficult age for any individual anyway um, and some will make it and some won't so it's very important that we put all that that care in place for them and I think the game, you know, has a has a duty to do that, and I, I think we're we do it quite well as a football club, and that's something we're we're looking to develop further as well. Do we may, maybe going less on the the mental health side, but more on the physical health side? Obviously, Leon Barnett had to retire at the well, pretty much at the start of last season. Uh, after one game that you were in charge of, Keith. I mean, obviously there's been a lot in the media over the last couple of years for Brees Moamba at, at Spurs and the Bolton player and, 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 and things like that. Do we now have, as a football club, that, that kind of kit? Like there was that talk about every club having a defib available and also then the heart monitor tests or something like that. That I'm presuming that's actually what we found with Leon and that's where it got to and how it ended up the way it did yeah I mean Leon's was uh, something he actually um, first felt during a game in pre-season last season and as soon as he reported that to the physios we um, got him to the doctor and then he went to see consultants and specialists and you know unfortunately he had to retire and you know that's been pretty well documented but um, you know it is um, it is concerning some of the, the things that have happened within the game um, there are rules in place so any um, any player within our academy, um, I can't remember the exact ages, but but quite young now, they have a, they have a heart screening, and then again when they become a scholar, um, so at sixteen they would be screened again, and something that's come out within um, you know recent cases is that they the medical professionals believe that actually now fourteen I think is the right age to screen um, because they can pick something up maybe at fourteen that couldn't be picked up a couple of years ago and. Um, that's what the science is telling us now. So there's going to be another level of screening go in. So generally with these things, you know, with there are some Leon situation, you know, he would have been through various heart screens when he was younger and nothing was detec detected. And it's something that came much further on. But in terms of the young players where they believe the risks can be identified earlier on, um, you know, generally I believe now most players that have been in an academy um, will be screened probably three times before they're, they're 16, 17. There are also always exceptions, you know, Matty Warburton's come into the game later on. So, you know, where the screens maybe haven't been in, in place, then we, we, we know we ensure we get those players screened to try and get first warnings of any potential problems. Yes, please. Um, can I ask James about the E word, the E sound? Um, no. What's the latest? <laughs> 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 the E sound, yes, yes. So... Um, the reality is there isn't too much new or exciting, I can tell you. It's obviously a, a source of great frustration to, to everyone at the football club. And, you know, that, 
that goes for us as staff and the board and, and the chairman as well. Um, you know, I think the chairman's been on record several months ago saying that we're we're working with the council, um, you know, on a plan, um, discussing, you know, the, the overall master plan of the Sixfield site and building the stand. Um, and the council have asked that we, you know, we carry on those discussions in private. Um, and that's something, while it's frustrating for everyone, we, we've honoured that. Um, and we've kept quiet on it. You know, I, I know that people out there say, well, you know, can you just release the plans, tell us what you're going to do? And, you know, believe me, everyone would, would love to do that. But I've been involved in those meetings uh, with the council, the chief exec at the council. Um, George Chandler has been, been excellent, and the relationship with the council is, is excellent, um, despite what you might hear from other sources sometimes. But it, it, is, it is positive, but unfortunately... You know these things going to take time, and, and we are conducting that business in in uh, in private with the council. And you know, believe me, as soon as we're able to make some positive news, then uh, you know, I'm sure everyone at the football club and and the chairman would love to do that. It's just it's been so many years now. I've lost count of the years. Yeah, no, you know, I agree. It's um, I say it's a frustration to everybody, and um, you know, there were obviously problems that were detected. Um, subsequent to the takeover regarding lease issues and uh, and it has dragged on and you know everyone wants to see a, a positive end to that to that and and include the council in that as well you know they they want to see a, a positive end and you know it'd be lovely to sit there on a Saturday at some point in the future and see a completed stand and the club's gonna gonna benefit um, hugely from it I believe Two questions at the same time. In terms of timescales, no. Um, then, you know, I don't think it'd be right to put a timescale on it because it would be a complete guess. It's not, um, you know, there's, there's lots of things that have got to happen. Um, but, you know, there's, there's certainly a motivation to, to progress things as quickly as possible. There was a question. Yeah, I was going to say, the way I interpret it, and I know you, you can't always believe what you agreed on, in the papers and on social media, but it looks to me as it's yeah. in the hands of the football club. Yeah, I think there's been... Is that wrongly reported? Yeah, a little bit. I think, you know, there, were, there was obviously the original lease issue which was, was sort of discovered, and then, and then, you know, the chairman obviously went on record and, and said, and there, were, there was a joint statement with the council at one point to say, you know, we're discussing the, the overall site. Um, and there has been some, you know, those conversations with the council have been, been really, you know, quite a small group, you know, the chairman of the football club, um, David Bauer, myself, the chief exec at the council, um, and the regeneration officers. Now, there's been maybe some comments by some councillors um, that maybe haven't been involved in those conversations, and you know, sometimes I don't think always what's been reported is, is even what they've actually said. So, you know, I understand there are some mixed messages, and but uh, as I say, we, we've been asked to, to conduct those conversations in in private. At, present and um, and that's what we're going to do and you know we're just all hopeful there'll be a, uh, I think it's a shame really because I, I think it's I think it's um, a matter it's that a tragedy, yeah it needs to be, needs to be resolved anyway when will it become listed <laughs> 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 right, I've got a question for Keith actually um What's Sam Hoskins' best position? <laughs> well, uh, we're, we're meant to finish at nine, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> Sorry. 
I think Sam is a, a player that, uh, in my opinion, can play a number of positions and play a number of positions very well. Um, he's yeah, he hasn't had the goal-scoring form that he would have wished, even though sometimes he's got into some very good positions. I think his work ethic uh, and his determination, willingness to work for the team is exceptional, I think. And his attitude uh, to, towards the challenges that sometimes have been set, playing on the left, playing on the right, playing as a number 10, as a defensive number 10, sometimes playing uh, off of a striker, sometimes playing as a lone striker. Because I think it was Gareth said to me, I think we went to, we went to Tranmere, and he said, um, Gareth said there's uh, not so much grumblings, but there's been a few eyebrows raised because you're playing Sam Hoskins up front on his own. Uh, and I was like, yeah, well, I can understand that. The lad goes and scores two goals. Uh, uh, wins us a game, gets goal of the month, and I think later on gets goal of the season. Um, so the lad has got ability. The lad will score goals. The, guy, the lad needs a season. Pardon? Don't forget Oldham as well. That was a screamer yeah. as well. That was very good. Goal. I think what, what did uh, Gareth and uh, the stat will tell us? How many goals did, uh, did uh, Sam Hoskins get last season? Seven. Oh, yeah, seven. Seven, yeah. Seven, yeah. Danny's seven. not here, but seven. Se- seven goals for, uh, for a player that's played uh, a number of positions. Uh, can, score more, can score more, will score more. He's got the ability to score more goals. But again, the one thing that's, that you can guarantee with Sam uh, is his work ethic. His determination, his professionalism, I've got to say, very good character. And you know, the icing on the cake is he has a season whereby he scores goals for, for chances, or his ratio from goals to chances improves. Not a bad player for us. Can I say, we, um, last season was my first season supporting Cobbles. We, we're new to the area um, and have always supported the local football team, so we came on board. You didn't come from Peterborough, did you? No, we didn't. That's fine. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> but one thing that we kept saying, we actually moved our seats from one area to another because of the negativity, particularly about Sam. And um, we said if all 11 players on the pitch put in the effort that Sam put in, we wouldn't care if, if the team lost every single week because players looked like they wanted to play. Um, and so I'm just putting that out there. But this season, I think there are lots more. I think I think Warburton's another one that looks like 110% effort every single game so far pre-season, um, and others. Um, and I'm looking forward to the season. Um, but we talk about skill and we talk about everything out. But work ethic has got to be up there. Yeah, you know, we can't expect players to just have the ball put to their feet so that they can just score a goal. They've got to put the work in. Who are you talking about? Kevin Van Veen's no, not here anymore. <laughs> um, but I think that's just really important, and I think us as fans need to be the 12th player. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's going to be exciting for the supporters this season because we have got a lot of new characters and they've all got different attributes. Um, and I think it's going to be good to. Uh, for, for, the, for the supporters to get to know the individual players and get that extra yard out of the players. I think um, there's going to be some players that, the, that I know the supporters will get frustrated with um, and, and there will be some that you will have. I know Harry Smith was, was not a favourite of, uh, of some of our supporters because uh, when he played for Macclesfield, I think the supporters here will love uh, Harry Smith and the way that he plays and he will be endeared to the, uh, to the supporters. Um, target man, focal point, wants to score goals, wants to be, wants to be an icon. Yeah, he wants to be loved. Um, actually, uh, actually, 
in the car <laughs> in, in, in the cars bar afterwards. We we were all Lawrence was saying, that's the sort of bloke we want in our team. You know, we hated him, but now he's our player. Great, because yeah. now every other opposition fans go into oh, hating. Yeah. So I think like, it's fantastic signing. Yeah, again, he uh, he has he does have the ability to rub people up the wrong way, Harry. Um, <laughs> and being six foot five does help sometimes. <laughs> Yes, please. As a couple of supporters living in Warsaw, I could really do with three points on Saturday. <laughs> 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 They've got a new manager and a completely new team. Um, what intelligence can you get on their side of playing in advance, or is it all just about the way we no, we, we've watched the last four pre-season games. Um, got all their formations, the personnel that they've used, the minutes that they've played, some of the set, well, all the set pieces that they've used. And again, but they'll be very similar to ourselves. Everything will be will be changed up. We've got a prediction uh, in the the formation and the personnel within it that we think we're going to face, but we're ready for surprises as well. But I think they're going to play uh, three at the back, five in midfield, and two up top. No. Not in the team that I've got in my head. <laughs> Anyone else with a question? I was just thought to say, not just to you, Keith, but to the gentleman to your left, James, Chief Executive, and the Chairman, I'll congratulate you all in bringing Charlie Good back to this club from last year. Could we need? Credit accepted. Yes, please. I'm just going to touch on that. Charlie Goo being captain, you've obviously signed a lot of players, potential captains. You've got, yeah, got half a dozen captains in the dressing room. Why Charlie above some of the others? I think part of the um, the development that I see individual players on now, uh, Charlie, footballing-wise. Um, is in my opinion above second division. Uh, I think the next step for Charlie is to be a captain, to be a leader, uh, to, and to grow up and be a man in in a, in a positive change room. But something that happened to myself uh, as a player when I first went, and I don't like talking about myself, but I will do for just for, just for this story. I went from uh, from Reading to Wimbledon. Uh, Wimbledon had just lost the FA Cup. No, yeah, just won the FA Cup. Sorry, a few of their iconic players had left. Uh, and Bobby Gould was in the process of rebuilding the team. And some of the um, stars that had won the cup for him were still there, and they all wanted the armband because the previous, man, uh, the previous captain had gone. And Bobby, in his wisdom, signed me and told me the day that I signed that he was going to make me captain. And he said, it's either going to make you or break you. Uh, and let me tell you, when you walk into a changing room, Vinnie Jones, John Fashionu, Dennis Wise, um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's, just, um, it's, it's quite daunting. And, they, and then Bobby came in, introduced, uh, introduced myself as the, the record signing financially at the time then. He said, and by the way, as he was leaving, like that, this is your new captain. And it's one of those, wow. <laughs> Hi, chaps, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> then I got stripped. <laughs> <laughs> as, it, as was the uh, the Wimbledon way, a new signing came in. You get stripped, taken all your clothes off, and you get dragged around the training ground and then put into the cafe. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Dons. What was uh, Charlie Goode's uh, reaction when you appointed 
Well, um, luckily it was one of the part of the conversations we'd had. So Charlie knew prior to it because I said the I knew there were other clubs that were chasing Charlie, but I think the the personal relationship that we had, uh, the, the him knowing the infrastructure of the football club, and then me ident uh, identifying or being able to identify the pathway for his footballing and personal development off the pitch, and it's one of those. You know, I said to Charlie. If we're able to agree terms with the football club, when you come, I'm going to make you captain. And this is what I'm going to expect from you. These are the demands that I'm going to put on you. And you know, you're going to have a changing room full of other uh, other potential captains, but I want you to be my captain. Now, I'm not saying that was a defining line of why he came, but he understood the reason and the rationale and the, the respect I've got for the player and the pathway that I think potentially he can go on. There was a question here. Can I ask a question about... Um tactics you obviously like to change depending on which team we play against and the question really is the balance between getting a settled team and making people change to our style or you changing style to combat the opposition could you just tell us about the balance of that and why you prefer your system and you know I think uh, uh, the one thing you do as a manager that goes into a football club I've never walked in with a a formation and made the players play a formation. I think I walk into a football club and I try very quickly I have to assess what's in that changing room and what is going to be the best formation and the best system th that suits that changing room. Now, have I got an ideal uh, an ideal way of how I want to play? Yes. Do I have an ideal formation? No, because I'm very fluid within it. Uh, I like winning games. I don't like getting beaten football matches. And sometimes the, you, you have to be able to change. And the one thing I'm not scared of is change. Um, and sometimes you go into football clubs and supporters, chairman, board of directors, staff, players, they don't like change. Uh, I'm not scared of it. And again, we've got a changing room. We've got a football club now that accepts changes and accept challenges to make changes work. I think of the... Do you want to know what formation we're playing Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, but I don't want anyone else to know. Okay. <laughs> 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 That's how we're going to win. <laughs> I think last season, obviously, when you came into the club, that you said quite often that you didn't necessarily have the players in the dressing room that you wanted. There were a lot of times that you did change formation, personnel, gave everyone a chance at right wing back. Um, <laughs> but can we maybe expect to see a bit more of a stable side this season? Now you've got your players in. No, no. <laughs> I think one of, one of the things that we kind of see maybe in in the fans is saying is that they're judging you based on last season, when you have said, well, they weren't my players, they weren't the kind of players I wanted, or they couldn't, I don't know, didn't have the ability to do what I wanted them to do. Now that you've got your own players in, and and yes, there's a bit of pressure there now. Are we going to be sort of still seeing the same Keith Curl that we saw last season in terms of what you do? Well, no. Uh, again, I think I would love to be able to pick uh, the same eleven, the same winning eleven week in, week out. If I could guarantee that that, that we would win every single game with with those players, I would pick. I would pick that team. I don't change teams to to annoy the supporters. Uh, when I, uh, even though some of them just may, may think I do, but, um, but again, when I came in, uh, I had to very quickly adapt to the environment that I was in. So uh, I watched the. Uh, um, 
I watched the, the previous two games. I watched the Mansfield game that they played previously and I watched another game and I didn't like what I saw. So then I think they played a back four in that game. So I looked right, well, I need to change that. So then it's, I'll change it to a, a back five. And I think you know, we played against Berry. Berry had been doing very well um, up to that game. And I think we got a very creditable uh, draw. I think Sam Hoskins had scored a couple of opportunities. He had 1v1, potentially we might have gone on. And that's not having a dig at Sam, by the way. That's just saying. <laughs> <laughs> on that occasion, I think he had two or three chances that potentially could have seen a different outcome. Um, and again, so no, I think I'm very uh, I'm very creative and I'm very, very open-minded. But then ultimately, if the players play well, they will get. They will stay in the team. If we get the results, they will stay in the team. If they don't, I'm not scared to change. And I think the players know that as well. They go out. It's their challenge to uh, to to maintain their position. Um, we've got Nicky Adams. Nicky Adams just came in, uh, played right wing back all last season. So uh, in a, in a team that got promoted. So uh, and again, so asking Nicky Adams to go and play right wing back. Uh, is that going to be strange to him, foreign to him? No. I think all the players that we've got to be have got a flexibility within their roles as well. Barring <laughs> Di Cornell and, uh, and Steve Arnold, they are the goalkeepers. But everybody else, I think they, they can be playing a back two, a back three, a back flat four, a defensive five. Uh, we've got players that can play in midfield as a, as a sitting midfield player, attacking two. We can play the boxing midfield, which is uh, four rotating players in midfield. We've got centre fours that can play one up front, two up front, three up front. So again, we've got creativity and we've got options within the squad, which I think, which is, I think is important. We haven't just gone out and said, well, that is our first 11 and below that we haven't got anything. We've got a, a squad of about 21, 22 players that is very competitive and very challenging. Just a question. Uh, Mark Webber from BBC Northampton described the Cobblers fans as the most negative football fans in the UK, um, <laughs> which is not the way to endear himself to us. But um, Where is Mark? <laughs> you tell um, us, where did you bury him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just to see, you're obviously not going to agree with that, but just what's your opinion compared to Carlisle, Mansfield, and the clubs that you've managed at? I've got to say very friendly from the, from the supporters that I have met. And again, I'm, I'm not really, uh, I don't, I'm, you won't see me uptown or going around the town or anything like too much. I come in, I come to Northampton, I come to work, I stay down three or four nights a week. Uh, I, I go home on a, sun, uh, on a Saturday to see my kids and my family on a Sunday and then I'm back to work on a Monday. So, and again, I'm at the training ground, I'm at the football club. The, uh, the main time I see the supporters is uh, on a Saturday. I'm always open, always, always got time. The one thing probably that I don't do is... I don't engage with supporters during the game when somebody shouts from behind me. I don't turn around uh, and have a go at supporters, even though sometimes I've got to say some of the things that get shouted uh, do make sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I do understand where you're going with it. But, uh, 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 but then likewise, sometimes you know, um, you're not always right. Uh, and so, so again, so uh, forgive me if, you do, if I don't seem the type of manager that uh, that engages with the supporters during the game. I'm working after the game. You'll see if we've got a positive result, uh, I show me emotion. Uh, if we're disappointed, if we get a disappointing result, I always make sure I'm the last one off the pitch. So someone's got something to say, and someone wants to vent their anger and get rid of their frustration, so they can go home and feel relieved and don't take it home to their loved ones. Uh, I'm always trying to be the last one off the pitch, um, and yeah, I, I take it on board and I will listen. Uh, the reason behind the short corner. Do you mean the one that Nicky Adams played straight to them on Saturday? <laughs> but that's not something that we practice. <laughs> well, quite often we've got two at the corner, 
and one of, one of the players isn't even used. What we try and do is, so if we've got two out, uh, the opposition will t uh, will try and bring two players out to stop us, which, which means then they've got a one man less in the box. Um, so and then if the if the team doesn't play, uh, bring another player out, then we play a two v one, and then we've got signals and triggers whereby if we play a two v one, where the areas within the pitch that we want to try and hit, whether that's near post, middle post, uh, or far post, and it, it's triggers. Sometimes when you allow players to think and do things themselves you do get mistakes. As in, I can assure you that we do not go out and practice Nicky Adams playing the ball straight to one of their players <laughs> and, put, and putting them on the attack. Uh, and we do, it is a little bit of cat and mouse. I mean, we played Crawley last year and they watched us play and they knew we played two out and we only left one back. And their manager said, well, well we're going to nullify your threat and we're going to play three up and see what you do. And so they played three up from a corner and we had one back. Now, the first corner we had, we had um, Sean McWilliams and I can't remember who the other player was. There was that might be Sam Hoskins, but I don't want to keep mentioning Sam because I just get the, <laughs> I get this look from over there. So, so it wasn't Sam Hoskins, but somebody looked like him. <laughs> um, so and it was a part of our corner routine was that we got the two, we got we, we sucked two of their players out. They left three up, so we had the, the extra man advantage in the box. Now we went to play two v one, ran ran the the one that's come out, put the ball in, better go back stick. Now unfortunately there was a breakdown in communication between the two players in the wide area, uh, and uh, they passed it to their man on the edge of the box. So, that, so they were breaking four v one, and um, and uh, it came to nothing. I think Shea Facey was the defender back at the time, then nullified it, snuffed it out, uh, or delayed it, and we managed to get back. Then the, uh, the next corner. The player, we, we get a corner, the players are looking over it, they've left three up, what are you going to do? And I'm like, ah, play 3v1. Play, play 3v1. I looked at their manager and I'm imagining, you must be mad. You must be mad because it's just failed once. Yeah, it's not going to work. Uh, I, think, uh, I think the second corner we had, we scored a goal from. Yeah. Is there a question down here? Uh, I've got two questions, Keith. Greedy. First one. Greedy. <laughs> Sorry. First one. Who's going to be taking penalties this season? Um, I think there's, yourself, the, 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 there's a number of uh, potential candidates. Uh, penalty takers. I very much leave it to the changing room to sort out because I think it's a confidence thing. Somebody. Uh, I think uh, they do practice them. They, they have practiced them. I think we've had a couple of uh, penalties this season. I think Matty Warburton's taken one. Um, who else took another penalty as well, didn't we? Somebody else has taken one. It's, it's very much a confidence thing. I, I, I was like, I was a penalty taker myself, uh, and it was the only way I was ever going to score because I, I never <laughs> went up, never went up for corners, never went up for free kicks, and was never going to go on a mazy, messy dribble. Okay, thank you. And the second one is, uh, as a Brizzle boy, why Leeds? Why Leeds? It was um, I think I, I, some might have heard it, yeah, I mentioned it on the radio. I was, uh, I lived. It might sound bad this way. I lived quite a, a protective, a, a quite protective upbringing whereby my mum had to move away. Or when she got separated from her husband, she had to move away. And for me to continue my schooling, I had to go and live with my grandma for two years. Uh, which meant then she was very Christian, very, very strict, very, you know, I had to be in bed at eight o'clock, half past seven on a school night. On a weekend, it was one of those, forget about it. Uh, she relented for the FA Cup. I was able to watch the FA Cup final uh, and when Sunderland beat Leeds and from the, and I don't know why but from that day on I su started supporting Leeds no no, no other affinity uh, apart from that don't live uh, apart from that I live I live near there now but apart from that nothing else 
Yes, please. If you have a preference, uh, your number one is this year. My number one, what? Goalkeeper? Yeah. Um, well, the, the actual number that doesn't really mean anything to me. No, I mean like. <laughs> <laughs> I think that means he's not going to answer your question. <laughs> Maybe going along the lines of squad numbers uh, and going back to the, the 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 academy players that have come through. Um, so off the top of my head, you've given Scott Pollock number twelve. Again, with the with the squad numbers, what we've done this season because we we, we knew there was going to be competition for places, uh, and as you're aware, that there, there is um, all players and all change rooms have a players pool. So what we did for to start the season off, we we created an auction uh, for squad numbers within the players. So you know, if you wanted that number, you, you you made your bid, and the highest bidding like it was like seal bids. So it's one of those the players have got what they paid for. <laughs> So where are you going on holiday next year? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else got any questions? Yes, we're over there at the right. I know we absolutely love with all dreams of promotion, but where are we looking to aim for in the table this season? Top. But you've got to aim for top. I think every single manager in the division now will be saying the uh, uh, the ambition is they want to finish top. Realistically, they will all think they have. If things get stacked in their favour, everybody in this division will have an opportunity to be at the top of the division. Likewise, then, in my mind, I think we can be competitive and beat anybody in this division on our day. So if we finish top, who's coming second and third? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> If we come top, who's going to be the best team in the league? If we finish top, it's us, isn't it? Oh, just checking. Michael Appleton doesn't agree, but, you know, just checking. Yes? I was just wondering, what, are, what is your take on the uh, changes to the laws as the game have been made for this season? Are there some that you like or some that you don't like? With the, probably more so with the, uh, the, goal kick, the goal kick, where the defenders can go back in the 18-yard box now. Uh, is it really going to affect us? No. Is it? Does it add to the game? Um, no. no. Doesn't it just stop those silly errors like happened for Oxford last year? Yeah. Well, again, sometimes again you can it, it can encourage teams and players to play in wrong areas. And I think probably the biggest criticism that we've got when we go and scout and we go and watch under twenty three footballs is they don't play realistic football, uh, as in you know. 45, 50, 60 passes before they get to the halfway line of possession-based team. And you're thinking, you're looking at some of these players and you're thinking you're not getting the fundamentals that's going to be required to get a career in football because you go and watch some of these players, they go and play the under-23 football and then they go to League One, League Two clubs and they fail because they haven't got the fundamentals in place. They haven't been able to adapt to that risk assessment that, that's needed. When you're playing games, and it doesn't matter, everybody can be a little bit more expressive and a little bit more flamboyant. When you're playing in a team where you need to win, uh, you can make, uh, and you don't encourage people to make mistakes, but you can say, so if players make mistakes, you can accept it. If the player continues making mistakes, they don't play. Is that a failing of English football, then? Um, a failing of English football? Uh, I think grassroots football will take a massive change when it becomes a summer sport. I think that, I think that in a few years' time there will be a change where grassroots football is played during the summer months. Because I think you know, 
everybody says about the ball mastery and the, uh, and the technicians that's needed, uh, and they all come from the continent. Right in the continent, the weather that they've got over there, it's uh, indicative to go out and, uh, and master the ball skills. Uh, you usually find uh, grassroots football over here. You turn up on a Tuesday night, you've got 20 kids. Um, starts to hammer down with rain or it's cold and it's freezing. 20 kids, one football, it's one of those bang, get a game going. So, so we are very competitive, but sometimes lack the ball mastery. And again, I think the, the AFL and the Football League do, have done a lot of work with St. George's Park uh, with uh, improving the facilities in, uh, and improving the coaching levels uh, through, throughout the game to to be able to compete uh, more so at international level. I think some of the technicians that we've got now, phenomenal. But then it's like uh, identifying then what happens to some of those players that don't make it at Premier League level, uh, the education that they need because it's about winning games. So obviously, um, for those of you that don't know, I don't live in Northampton. I live in Warrington, which is near Manchester. Big rugby league town. Rugby league went to a summer sport, supposedly, uh, a few years, well, probably about 15 years ago now. And obviously that the whole sport moved to that. You're saying grassroots changes to that would you therefore accept maybe not straight away but then that the football season changes and starts in i don't know say march and runs all the way through to sort of december i, th I think um, i think there will be a change um at, at grassroots level uh, i think that you have a look now the all the kids have got all this time off now why are they not playing football training games and playing games now during the holidays too busy doing it on fifa that's why <laughs> i've got a question uh, are we going to sign another winger? The we uh, the recruitment process in places we've st we've still got targets available um, that we look that, that we're looking at, and this, uh, we've identified a number of positions that, in my mind, that we would still like to bring in uh, if, but certain things have to happen for that to uh, for that to materialise, and some of that is getting permission from other football clubs. Uh, football clubs agree in personal terms uh, and uh, and uh, transfer fees. I'm going to take that as a yes, Keith. So. <laughs> Great news. I'm, tr I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions, Yes. Yeah, I've been a supporter since 1953 and for the last 20 years the standard of referee has gone down every season. Do you think it's going to improve this year? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Someone some to look forward to. Dreadful. Another question. There's a lot of frustration last year when a goalkeeper got the ball. He was very slow getting the ball out of his area and into play. He could have departed about with it far too long, in my opinion. What goalkeeper was that? Only, only the one we've got last year. <laughs> I've had a word. <laughs> Just on the referees one, I think um, they're obviously all professional now in the, in the Premier League. And... Uh, in the last couple of years, I've actually had professional referees in the championship as well. Um, I don't know how widely n known that is, but you know you have to accept a lot of these guys. And you know I wouldn't disagree with a comment, um, <clears throat> but uh, a lot of these guys have got full-time jobs, and you know they, they they don't have the time to sit with them in um, in uh, coaching them. Basically, on reviewing what's been done in in-game situations, and you know it's a big thing that's been we've been sort of pushing at uh, EFL level really is to try and get professional referees further down the divisions you know it's you think of the the planning that goes into you know the two teams that are out on the pitch and you know all the analysts and the pre-match meals and the overnights and you know all this 
you know, professionalism we have in the game, yet we've got people that control the major decisions in the game that are not professionals. So it is something that's being pushed, but obviously it's uh, down to resource, it's down to money, it's down to how many available referees there are, how many of them would actually want to turn professional, um, depending on what jobs they've got. But uh, it's certainly an area that the, the professional game is looking at. Very occasionally, we get a Premier League referee come down here, they know better. Yeah, they're worse, in fact. Yeah. Worse than the lot. Yeah, I really do think that. Yeah. I've got a suggestion. <laughs> it's a very simple listening. Rooms full of experts. Get rid of the referees. Bring the experts. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. Because if you uh, and I think there's always that thing about referees don't understand the game. That's that's something we all like to say, don't we? That they've not played the game. But there's you know there's initiatives now around you know scholars at 18 that don't don't make it. Uh, into the professional game about putting them on fast track programs to try and become referees and you know that's interesting and you know we might get some results on that in the future would um if it came to the point where the um i don't know it's is it pgmo or uh, pgmol or however you say it that's the professional referees for the premier league if they turn around and said well look if you guys want it in the lower leagues then the clubs will have to help fund that would that be something, do you think, that clubs as a whole, not just Northampton, but would be something that clubs might be prepared to do? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's partially what's happened with the championship. There was a, there was a certain amount of money needed to do it, uh, and I think they got some of that money from various sources, the FA, and, you know, and you think about the referees in the Premier League, they're looking at um, succession planning as well, and some of those referees are going to come from the championship, so they may have put some money into the pot, um, so yeah, that's one of the things would ultimately come to to a vote, really, and you know probably it'd be interesting to see what club's opinion is, and it will probably depend on the amount of money. I've only actually seen one or two referees I thought were biased. There's not a great standard, but it's great conversation afterwards and part of the game. We can't do anything about it. Why not just concentrate on the things we can change? Yeah, exactly, and I think that's you know one of the VAR discussions, isn't it? Which we're going to see this year with the Premier League is um, do we, how much do we want that perfect decision every time, and are we prepared to sacrifice some of the things that we have in the game and the arguments down the pub? And you know, it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see what happens this year. But the other problem with VAR is it interrupts play, isn't it? it interrupts the flow of play. Yeah, so and that's, that's going to be one of the things is what you know what sacrifices are we prepared to make? Um, to get those decisions perfect, and, and are they perfect? Because VAR is still an opinion, you know, on some decisions, isn't it? You know, offside could be a little bit more black and white, but it's an interesting one. Technology's there, and you know, we see it used well in other sports, but now it's about seeing how all that technology works with football, if it works, and you know, it'll be an interesting year or two. They've been given three seconds now. They've got to make a decision in three seconds. My lad is a premiership linesman and he has been trained for VAR next season and he said you will have three seconds to make that decision to let the game go. Yeah and the information we've got is that uh, in the Premier League you know we've seen it in some of the international tournaments that VAR has been heavily involved in decisions within a game and the information we've got is it's they're trying not to do that um, but it'd be interesting. Jack at the back. Uh, question for James uh, on the commercial side of the club. Um, Slow Tile in Northampton Artists is currently enjoying great success. 
Um, I believe it's favourite to win the Mercury Prize. Won't answer our tweets though. <laughs> I won't let you know. <laughs> favourite to win the Mercury Prize, surely. Um, he's already professed his love for the club and he's made a video here and wearing the club shirt and in the lyrics to one of his songs and specific thousands of national radio airplay. Have you got any plans for a sort of PR alignment with him? And yeah, I think that. I think there's been a few conversations. It was an interesting one, actually, because I think we had a phone call from his management to say that he was it okay that he wanted to come and shoot a video at the top of the hill and have the club in the background. Um, and we said straight away, well, come in the ground, you know, come and use the facilities and we give him a shirt and, and all of that, which obviously you've, you've referred to there. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I think there's been some conversations, and obviously we've. Uh, look, I don't profess to know that much about him, but we have to look at the content of what he puts out, and you know, if he's appropriate for us to promote and all those kind of things. But there, you know, there, there's been some conversations. Yeah. I think I mean, it's, it's unique the fact that he, he sort of picked out the fact that in the lyrics to his song, he says, "Yeah, Northampton, I'm a car park. and I don't think there's been anyone as big as him. Uh, musical artists come out of town in the last 45 years. Um, I think it would be a real yes, good opportunity. <laughs> 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 oh, you're forgetting Marillion, aren't you? Come on. So attract an age group yeah, no, it's, it's certainly, I say, something we're certainly monitoring, and I think there have been some conversations. I, I don't profess to know that much about him or his music, but look, anyone that wants to uh, stand up there and tell the world about Northampton Town, then. But then I'm no expert. I mean, the Franklin's Gardens, I've had gigs on this summer. The county have had them on for, well, ever since I've been a kid. What can we do to them? Yeah, well, look, we're always, we're always looking at ways of the commercial team being, you know, very successful. Um, certainly in the last you know five years we've done very well um, and we're always looking at new areas to try and generate revenue out, out of um, out of the ground and you know concerts is something we looked at heavily and had a lot of conversations with uh, production companies and artists uh, last last season um, we didn't quite get something off the ground for various reasons but you know it's certainly an area we're we're sort of looking to develop him to sponsor the East Stand and have his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, sir. Yeah, a question um, to James. What's the position about the South Car Park this year? Uh, well, we, um, we've, always, we've never owned that car park, always operated it under a licence. Um, and we were informed, uh, literally, I think Christmas Eve, that we, that car park had been sold and we could no longer use it. Um, which with a game a couple of days later wasn't ideal on Christmas Eve when, as you can imagine, the lawyers that send these letters are, are not in their offices. So um, we've worked quite hard to try and get answers about what's happening. My current understanding is it actually still hasn't been, a sale hasn't completed <coughs> and um, they're, they're, they're remarketing it. But we've currently been told that um, we can't have use of that car park for uh, to, to operate our licence for match day parking. Because, I mean, it's going to be a nightmare Saturday with we'll Walsall bringing 1,400 people. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's, it, it's not ideal. We didn't have it for a lot of last season, and um, we operated, obviously, the top car park, and we do have an overflow car park behind that. We didn't actually need to open the overflow car park too often, but... You know, we, it's something we're conscious of and keep asking the question if, if we can use it, really. It, you know, it, 
would make sense to us if you've got a car park sitting there empty that we could have a license and um, well you know exactly but you know they're the questions we've asked but we haven't got the answer we want um, a present um, but yeah it's gonna I believe Walsall have sold their allocation so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a busy one Saturday I believe they're bringing a lot of coaches so uh, <laughs> that might help the car park situation slightly Any other questions for... Yes, please. Um, I've read around that um, the FA were looking to introduce sim bins into the grassroots football. Do you think it'll ever come into professional and will it work with a 10 minute dismissal? <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're, they're trying a few things at um, grassroots level um, over the last few years and that, that's certainly one of them. Um, uh, will it, it's certainly not something that's being talked about at uh, EFL club meetings at present, so it's, it's probably not on the radar um, anytime soon. I think it's a great pity that years ago, when uh, players were transferred in and out, you always knew what the transfer fee was. <laughs> for the last 10 years, so it's always been undisclosed. So I presume that's just because you don't want to give away how much money's available, but it is a real pity for fans not to know. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a frustration for everyone. I think everyone wants to know, even though it doesn't really impact them. Um, but I think you know it's commonplace around football now. You, there aren't really any any fees or anything other than undisclosed, other than you know what you see on Sky Sports News, which they've learned from a source here or there. But um, there's obviously several parties in a transfer, um, and you know sometimes even if a certain club wanted to disclose a fee, the other the other club might not. So. Um, it's it's obviously commonplace these days. So, uh, Keith, how, how since you've been involved in football, which has obviously been as a player and a manager, how, how much has it changed? And do you think it's been changed for the better or for the worse? How much has it changed? Um, I, I, I take it back to when I first started uh, as an apprentice. The the squad was bigger. We had a definite uh, youth team, uh, a reserve team squad that was made up of uh, 18, 20. Uh, and then we had a, a first team squad made up again of uh, 18, 20 players. So th th there was three uh, definitive squads. I think that's slightly changing now. The the game itself, uh, has it improved? I think, yes. Technically, I think players are now getting better. I think physically, the physical conditioning of the players is now uh, very good. Um, and I've got to say that, I've got to say that because we just come back from pre-season and, and the lads are in great shape but I think I think the the mentality of some of the players towards their own individual the uh, physical needs and requirements uh, has changed I think gone are the days now of players where in their time off going down the pub uh, playing snooker playing golf Thursday night Friday night Saturday nights out I think the um, the vast majority of uh, have modified their lifestyle that's players not uh, not coaching stuff. Can I ask a question about the people who don't make the 11 on Saturday or the probably 14 that get on the pitch? They obviously don't have much game time. Well, these days we don't have a reserve team or an under-23s team. Do you see that as a concern? Is there any move towards it? Or how are they going to get more game time? 
But throughout the week, we've got uh, Pablo Garcia, who's the strength and conditioning coach. And every single training session or every single game now, they've all got heart, ma uh, heart rate monitors and GPS. So we know exactly uh, the yardage, the distance, the speed that they were moving at, uh, whether that's in a game, whether it's during the warm-up, whether that's uh, com coming on a sub. And we have a, collecti a collective total um, realm that we like the players to get in every single week. Now, sometimes players that haven't played, they will get programs to do on a Sunday it, uh, to make to make up their mileage or their yardage uh, and their sprint distances uh, throughout the week so that every uh, on a Friday all the players are back up to speed uh, within a, uh, a range or distance range of, of the the meterage that we need them to cover uh, and again th there are certain players that uh, that yeah, the team's doing well the team hasn't changed and certain players uh, are, are on the fringes and not they're, they're not getting game time sometimes you know, that's the challenge for the players to, to get in the team work harder uh, and sometimes take the flip side of it sometimes players leave to go and gain more game time some players do go out on loan to go and get that game time as well Again, that's always again with those players. It's a decision that's uh, that's left uh, with with the football club and with myself. If I need the players, the players stay. If a, if a, if I think there's another player on a pathway that that uh, potentially I can use or will use in his place, and that other player can go out and go and get game time, part of their development, uh, they go and gain get game time. Any more questions at all from the floor? Can I ask another one? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Lots of teams run out to music and they also play the music when they score a goal. Why can't we have that at Northampton? <laughs> 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 you don't need to say anything else, James. You believe it. <laughs> well, I'll be interested to see if that's what people actually want. I think it'd be a good idea. Yeah. If you get the right music. Go goal music or walking out music. Because we, we do walk out to the liquidator, or we did. I the think goal that might be changing this year. Uh, yeah, the goal music you see it at some grounds around the country, not all, but I always thought there was a you know a bit of a split of opinion as to whether that's a good thing or yeah, whether you'd rather have the, uh, the the crowd celebration and keep it natural. Twitter poll for you, Gareth. <laughs> Just on that as well, the the license we have to play music under the Performing Rights Society. If you play music within the game, so the first whistles, the last whistles, or after a goal or something like that, it does actually treble the cost for the license. So don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> don't do it. Leave it. I'll do. Problem solved. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions at all? Okay, we'll do we'll do the obvious ones then. Uh, any fitness issues for Saturday? Um, fitness issues apart from. No, no, I'm still fit enough to play me. <laughs> there, there's your extra centre-back. <laughs> uh, no, uh, again, like I said, the, the players are in good shape. And I think the, the sign of a good pre-season is uh, when you come to the first league game of the season having a, a very competitive squad available. And I think we've, uh, we've got that. Alan McCormack fit then? I think we've got a very competitive squad. <laughs> Sam Hoskins fit? Very competitive squad. <laughs> Di Cornell and goal? I'll refer to my answer just past. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll wrap up then. Um, we're going to win on Saturday, I take it. Well, uh, that's the plan, I think. Um I think uh, again, Gareth, the the stat man of the football club. Um, uh, when was the last time the the Cobbers won the opening game of the season, Gareth? Yeah. A long run of not very good 
So, yeah, so uh, it's been one win in, in a number of years. So our first challenge uh, is win the first home game of the season. And again, let me tell you, you all play your part in that. From, from the first minute to the last minute, uh, all, all I ask is give us the opportunity, give us the, give us the support, give the environment uh, for the players to give everything they, ha- uh, they can do to get yourself the result, get ourselves the result as well. Everything we do this season will be a collective we. Uh, players, management, fo- uh, football club staff, chairman, owners. We uh, we all need to be in it together. All it put it pulling in the same direction. There's going to be twists and turns. We're going we're to go on fantastic uh, runs of games. We're going to get some games whereby we don't get the decisions and we don't get the result that we think we deserve. Doesn't make us bad people. We will not deter us from our attitude towards every challenge that we face week in week out. We want to win. So just just to add to the fact that the last time we did win our opening game of the season we also went on and won the league Keith no pressure again I don't mind pressure I think pressure is a pressure in football especially in football management I think is when you're out of work and you've got a mortgage and you've got kids to feed that's pressure yeah Yeah. Yeah. so my pressure will win a game that's the the industry that's what I'm in I'm in there to challenge myself against everybody in this division Uh, and again I accept challenges I've got a changing room full of players that know throughout they're going to put there's going to be demands put on them they're going to be made accountable and they're going to get challenged Uh, and again the relationship we've got the players accept challenges because they're given in the right way they're done in a very respectful way I, I won't ask players to do things that I don't think they can do and again, we've got a very competitive squad in there. A very good ability, good range of ability, a good age range, and with good experience as well. Final call for questions then before we completely wrap up the evening. Has anyone got anything they want to ask Keith? I we won a cup on Tuesday. We did, the Monsal Cup, yeah. Are you excited about the next level of players coming through after the academy? Because it was mainly the... <coughs> Next year's yeah. Academy, isn't it? And Billy Waters, yeah. Scotty Pollock, Jay Williams, uh, Morgan Roberts, they, they were all involved. Brad, Brad Lashley was, uh, was in goal. Again, some of the, yeah, the new first-year scholars were, were playing in that game as well. Um, so again, the, we have good conversations. Myself and John, uh, John Brady, the the, um, the youth team coach at the minute. The, there's a, a new academy manager coming in again. Uh, so there's going to be another relationship being forged, forged there again. Again, the... Um, the future's bright because uh, uh, again we're improving the facilities, we're, we're intru- improving the uh, the training ground facilities for, for the for the uh, for the scholars. They now t- they now train on the the first team pitches that we had last season. And let me tell you, from the rugby pitch that they were playing on before, another step up. They, they're, and they're now using the first team changing room facilities that we were using. So and again, it's done for their uh, for their development, for their improvement, and it shows we as, as a footballing department, as a football club, we've got one eye on the pathway for the young players to come and make it into the the first team change room there's also disciplines and requirements when the players do step up uh, that they have to adhere to and the quicker they step up and, uh, and adjust to the new professional environment the the quicker they will progress some players will be quicker and some players will have to go back uh, and take a step back go out on loan but it's all part of their development and their learning like i said we said earlier they uh, they're young men the learning a craft. The, um, some of them, you know, they get a pro contract, they go and get a badge, which is a, a toilet bag or the earphones. And it's one of those, uh, we need to create the environment whereby you I- we identify players, young players, by the time that they spend at the training ground, before training, after training, uh, developing their individual skill sets. Yeah, one last question. You've been successful for a long time now as a manager, but you've never got a promotion. What's different this year that will... I think uh, again, 
when you say being, uh, if you be, if you say being successful as a manager, because I've been able to get jobs. I think um, I don't want to get seen as a manager as successful as a firefighter. But it seems like every single job I've got has been either eight points adrift, four points adrift, uh, on uh, on a sliding scale down the table and going in and rectifying and turning it around. Um, this football club wasn't in that position. Um, I've got to say they were underperforming, in my opinion, for, for where they were in the, in, in the division. And I think every football club that I've left, I think I've left them in a very healthy position, the healthy position they've been in for, for a long time. And then after I've left, they always seem to, to falter and go back to their old ways and sometimes go out, falter and go out of business. I know we're going to get that 10 extra points. Yeah, well, that's okay. The, I'm ambitious. Uh, and I know as an in for, for being selfish, I need a promotion. Uh, in, in my mind, I know this division, I know the division above, uh, I know the championship, I, I spent time uh, coaching uh, in the championship and I enjoyed it. We got promoted, uh, I was lucky enough to get promoted as, uh, as assistant manager with Neil, uh, with, uh, with QPR. Um, that's the heady heights I want to get back to, I want to be operating in the championship, in the Premier League. And then this is not a bad stepping stone. The question over there? Um, James? Um, I came last season to see my friend play. Um, she plays for the Phantom Town Ladies, and they played at the stadium. Have you seen more games from them? Uh, there's certainly, I think, I'm not sure if we've announced a game yet, have we? There's certainly a game in September. Uh, about the ladies We've been, there's a game in September I believe they're going to play there. they obviously got promoted last season um, which was fantastic you know they're, they're now in a in a good strong league um, and they're going to play there I believe it's their first game of the season they're going to play here uh, within the stadium so you know it would be great to see a good crowd come down to that game you know the, the ladies game is, is certainly growing um, off the back of the World Cup this year as well so you know we'd love to see good crowds behind it um and the more games we can put on here, the better. You know, we've always got to balance that up in terms of um, the wear on the pitch, um, in terms of the, the financial side of it, in terms of, you know, whether it, it pays its way. And uh, um, But, you know, it, it'd be great to see them playing in that higher division in their first game here in September. Former goalkeeper, he's an outfield player now, isn't she? Any other questions? Is it about Sam Hoskins? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even normal. <laughs> it's got the same hair. <laughs> um, it's a question for Keith, just a little fun question, really. Um, on Saturday, will we see you in your tracksuit, as we have done in the pre season games, or will you be back to your chinos and smart <laughs> Or just the hat and nothing else. <laughs> 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 What would uh, what what would you prefer? Well, I'm wearing chinos. <laughs> No, um, I've, I've got. Uh, I think I go through different stages of uh, me attire on the side of the pitch. I used to wear collar and tie. Um, used to wear uh, a jumper, um, open neck shirt. Um, never really worn jeans on the side of the pitch. Um, track suits, 
so I'm not really I spend all week in a tracksuit every single day I wake up tracksuit on uh, travel to work go back from work spend time in work in a tracksuit when I go back and go back to when I stay back in the hotel uh, I'm in my tracksuit uh, they identify I, get, I look forward to uh, a Saturday uh, and again I want to stand out um, so again um, I have thought hat, yeah just just the hat <laughs> <laughs> Are you hot? <laughs> uh, there was a question at the back. Hi, I'm Sammy Farnham, failed male, 2004. Didn't happen, shush. <laughs> Did you think we were hard done by? The refereeing decision when Eric Sabin should have received a, a free kick was actually given again. To be honest, I think you were lucky to get back in the game. I think we took a 2-0, well, we came here and uh, no, it, well, we, we played Northampton away and we, uh, we won 2-0, didn't we? Uh, and I think we had, we had two chances in the, the first half of the game, I think we should have made it uh, out of sight. But, but fair, uh, fair credit to you, I think it was a fantastic game of football. Um, could have gone either way. Um, for, for us, uh, I think it was Tom Curtis scored the equaliser, didn't he? Uh, it, I think he's had one shot that, that whole season on target and then it was that <laughs> and and it was that one uh, but again you think the, the penalties I thought the, the penalties uh, I think our five penalties in that game were exceptional yeah uh, I think yeah uh, no, no, it, no, to be honest it shouldn't have done but I thought our, our penalties deserved to, to win uh, a playoff game and then we got to the final and we played Huddersfield we had a goal disallowed um, in the last minute of extra time uh, the, the, the linesman said it was uh, went out of play. It, uh, then you look back on the videos; it didn't go out of play. So we should have gone up as Mansfield. Then if you have a look at where Huddersfield are now, or, or where they were last season, uh, 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 as a Premier League, uh, yeah, but it, uh, it a fantastic rise of, uh, of Huddersfield Town. It, it could have been completely different if the referee's opinion had been, or the linesman's opinion had been different, and that goal would have stood, and we potentially would have got promoted. Just earlier on, you said about you watched Walsall's well we work on uh, the scouting and the analysis department we work on uh, a five game cycle uh, whereby we collect data from five games forward of who we're playing, home or away. It's slightly different as well. We have the match reports. Uh, we've had scouts out watching uh, the majority of the pre-season games of the next five teams that we're playing and again. And they all deliver reports. We've slightly changed the reporting system of the, the of the scouting network uh, as well. We've taken on board some more scouts as well to work uh, under Simon. Um, and again, it's uh, it's how the reports are put together because I don't. I'm not the type of manager. I don't read reams and reams of information it's the critical points that Simon highlights for myself that I take on board and then obviously I watch the games myself uh, and it's a visual impact that I take out we get plus and minuses uh, the strengths and weaknesses of the, of the team we identify the strengths and we try and nullify those and we try and expose their weaknesses where we think that we can capitalise and uh, with the personnel that we've got in the building and then we don't moan about referees uh, I think I think I don't know nearly 800 games I've played, and in every single one of those games, when a referee's made uh, a wrong decision, and I've told him he's made a wrong decision, not once has he changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, keep your heads that way. 
and then if you, every time I argue with them, uh, I get a, a Christmas card uh, request from the FA to put me £500 in. Uh, and if I want to, I can go and appeal it. And it cost me another 250 quid. And they've never, ever sent me one back. <laughs> Any other questions, guys? Anyone else? No? Okay, then. Right, well, uh, all we've really got time for, then, is to say thank you very much, Keith and, and James, for coming here today. Wish you all the best for, of luck for the first game of the season and the season beyond. Here's to 100 points. And hopefully lifting that League 2 trophy in May. Uh, that's the plan. Uh, hopefully you have a, a very enjoyable season. Stick with us. Give us the backing that you, uh, the, that you uh, think is necessary. Um, but knowing that we will be giving everything that we can do to, uh, to bring success to the football club. You've got a very, very honest group here of, of players and coaching staff that want to do well, individually and collectively. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.